This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Episode 219, Kings of the Podcast, coming to you live from the Marty Murray Studios. DB, we are back. So, man, we're, co- we're recording this on a Saturday. And if I'm correct, you were live tweeting a German Elite League game this morning. Is that what you were doing? Yes, I was up at okay. 5.30 this morning okay. to watch the kids play. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> when was the last time you ever heard of me getting up at 5.30 never. on a Saturday? No, never. <laughs> You you might be coming in from the night before, but never getting up at five thirty. So I just had to trip a little bit. I'm going. I woke up to do the hot stove show around seven. I'm like, man, it's tweeting. First of all, what's that about? And then, oh boy, live tweeting German. What dedicate? And and fans, you wonder why we have the best intel on this podcast. It's because John Hoven is live tweeting and watching a German game at five thirty in the morning on a Saturday. Case closed. And, and, and I was texting at the same time with some very important people who uh, were providing additional context and information and, and discussion about what we were watching. So, you know, it's all about being connected. It's all about staying connected during these times, especially in COVID. Yes. Um, so, DB, I, I appreciate the fact, by the way, that when you have me on your SiriusXM show, you always book me for the last segment of the of show because, you know, I'm not an early riser. I'm not a morning person. Yes, you're going to um, get so on yeah. at 930 or 945. You're not getting on Perfect. at 815. It's right no in chance. my wheelhouse. It's right in my wheelhouse. I'm very upset that the that the Germans decided to book this game, by the way, at 230 in the afternoon, German time, which made it so early because right. if they would have just done it like two or three hours later, it would have. Oh, was that what it was? Year. It was that early? No, Oh, yeah, it was weird. a matinee. It was the middle oh, of the okay. day. So that makes sense now. Okay, makes it doesn't sense. work. It doesn't no. work for no, me. No, no, no. Sorry, I have already, I've already filed uh, a, a, a letter off to a the grievance? Uh, general manager of the Ice Baron. Oh yes, I, I contacted <laughs> Kelly Cheeseman and I asked for the contact information <laughs> for the GM of the Ice Baron, and I have already uh, over there in Berlin, and I've sent them a letter and told them that's unacceptable. So the following uh, set of exhibition games that they are looking to play next weekend, they will try to move those later so that I don't have to get up so early. Of course, they should be accommodating you. Let's go. Why not? Let's I mean, go. Come on. All right. So speaking of that, DB, let's Please. just real quickly, uh, before we get to our guest today, uh, talk about those kids that are over there. There are five LA Kings prospects. They're kind of the the Ontario Reign, the next group, the next mm-hmm. core from the Ontario Reign that are over there. They're bonding. They're hanging out. They're training. And today they were able to play their first game. As you said, we're recording this on Saturday. So uh, Alex Turcott, Aiden Dudas. Uh, Tyler Madden, Akil Thomas, and Jacob Ingham were all in that game. For those of you that either weren't following the tweets or were looking for more context, let me give you some some quick notes there. Uh, Turcotte had a bad turnover early in the game, led to the first goal by Red Bull. Believe it or not, DB, that was the team yes, they were playing. I Red saw Bull. That. You, you can't make this stuff up. No, can't. <laughs> I knew you'd be. I was surprised you weren't up to watch the Red Bull game. I'm retired. Uh, Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. You're retired. Uh, so Turcotte, though, it seemed that he uh, his ice time was sort of increasing as the game game wore on. 
Um, he was paired on the first power play, by the way, with Akil Thomas. They had a couple of, uh, of chances, and uh, Turcotte's best chance in the entire game came, I think it was around midway through the third period, off of a pass from Lucas Reichel, who was uh, at, the, at the dot, and uh, Turcotte was sort of off to the right side of the goalie and had a little bit of an open net and just couldn't get a clean shot off there. So that was probably Turcotte's best look. Uh, Madden had a little bit of an injury. Very first shift into the game, from what I understand, he uh, jammed his thumb or his finger, and uh, he was held out for precautionary reasons for the rest of the game. Probably looked to see Tyler Madden uh, in game two on Sunday. Uh, Jacob Ingham came in in relief of goal. He, he played half the game, came, about, came in about the halfway mark of the uh, of the second period, played the rest of the game, gave up the one goal, which ended up being the game-winning goal. Uh, Red Bull ended up winning 3-2. to two. And really a bummer. He gave up the goal with about a minute left in the game in regulation. Uh, Dudas had a chance with about one second left in the game. Uh, he scored, actually. They thought that there was about a second left on the clock, but time had actually run out. Aiden Dudas, from, from a King's perspective, was the star of the game. Uh, truly, no exaggeration. I'm not being funny. I think he put in about 25 to 28 minutes. I, there's not an official sheet, but even just in talking with some folks, it, it, that's kind of the guesstimate. They, they agreed with me. Uh, it, just a ridiculous number of minutes. He was on the ice, maybe even played 30 minutes. I mean, the kid was on the ice constantly in all situations. Played power play, played, uh, played PK. It's a full 200-foot game. I mean, you looked up, and he was doing everything. Um, just uh, the motor that never ended. Yeah. It was just uh, phenomenal. Cool. And uh, Dudas is going to be on the, the show soon. little spoiler alert. Uh, and we will talk with Aiden Dudas about John. that. And Akeem Thomas. Yeah. Very feisty in the game, DB. I mean, this was an exhibition game, and I, I made the joke on Twitter that someone forgot to tell Akil Thomas this was not the gold medal game in the World Juniors. He was intense, battling along the boards, had a couple scrums. Uh, Akil Thomas was he was fighting for every square inch of the ice. I, I so think that's one, the uh, report. Yeah. I think one question for the listeners is um, positionally, where did Thomas and more importantly Turcotte play? Were they playing center? Were they playing the wing? Thomas was playing the wing. Uh, I believe that Turcotte played both. I believe that okay. he was playing uh, center and wing at different times. And even when he was on the wing, they still used him to take a couple of the face-offs. Actually, the same for Akil now, uh, now that I think about it. But uh, Thomas was playing the wing, I believe. Um, so it's a little bit hard to tell at times when you're watching that because yeah, yeah. You're, um, the camera angle is so far back that you can't always find the player that you're looking for either. Sure. It's not like an NHL game where they zoom in a lot and you can find, I, at least I found that it was more difficult um, just because of how far back they were. And plus there's so much advertising on the jerseys. Um, and there was a kid on the team. He's number 10, I believe um, that size wise, you can, if you were seeing him come from the front, you would think it was Dudas. And then right, the way right. that his Jersey sort of was tucked in the back, it looked more like a 15. And sometimes it, he thought he was Turcotte. So it was, it was uh, difficult at times to track players, at least for me personally, it was game one too. So, and you're streaming it. So it's just, it's not the same as broadcast sure. quality. So uh, I, I did my best folks. That's the, that's the report from, from game one in Germany. This is the last minute Great of job. play in the period. All right, DB, uh, yes. enough of Germans. Let's, uh, let's bring it stateside and uh, let's bring in Blake Lazat. He was signed as an unrestricted free agent out of college after his sophomore season at St. Cloud State, which of course is the uh, of unofficial collegiate affiliate of the LA Kings. Yes. Uh, they have, they have, a, I think it's in the LA Kings uh, bylaws. They have to sign one player out of St. Cloud every year, whether it's Nick Dowd, whether it's Johnny Brzezinski, uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, Mikey Isimont as well. I mean, like I said, the list goes on and on. They have a prospect there now as well. Uh, David Hernak, who's in goal, but uh, Blake Lazat, uh, member of the LA Kings. Basically uh, he was signed out of college and has been an NHL player ever since then. So after the break, we'll bring in Blake and we'll get to know him. Chapter one, I was raised on the Dodgers Every boy wants to be like his father And little late when he was coaching me I was hanging on every word Sundays, he's the one who would lead us Taught me everything I know about Jesus Front row, he's on a roll And I'm hanging on every word It sounds nice, doesn't it? I wish that I knew back then there's no perfect life You can't hold back time But you hold on tight Hoping you might find Every page you've turned Here we go, Blake Lazat. Welcome to the program Hey, thank you, I appreciate you having me on I'm looking forward to it Well, Blake, first I want to tell you You couldn't hear it in your earphones But um, we brought you into a song by Brett Young Called Chapters Because I heard that you're a big Brett Young fan uh, Huge Brett Young fan uh, Yeah, yeah, always, always have that 
Okay. Well, I have to admit to you, I had no idea who that was before uh, reading up on you. I, I did. It's not my type of music, but the song we brought you into, Chapters, has a reference to the Dodgers. So I had to put it in there, being the Dodger guys that we are. Although you're a big Minnesota Twins fan, from what I hear. Uh, you know, I, I am a loyal Twins fan, but I think I can have a little bit of allegiance to uh, the Dodgers as well. You know, living in LA for six, seven, eight months of the year, so uh, hopefully they can pull out tonight's game. All right. Well, there you go. That's a that's a strong pivot on your part. I appreciate that. Good job. Um, look, we're going to be all over the board today. We'll talk about uh, your time, you know, pre-Kings. We'll talk about your time with the Kings. But I, I want to go back to uh, a tweet uh, from, let's see, April 2nd of 2019. I tweeted out that the Kings were closing in on signing you to an entry-level contract. You were a sophomore at the time, which is really not the typical time when uh, players come out of college. But what was interesting is not necessarily my tweet. And we talked about the fact that you... Uh, you know, your competitiveness and, and, and what a catalyst you were. And St. Cloud was the number one ranked team. But it wasn't my tweet that I went back and, and, and caught my attention. It was the reply. Pat Micheletti, well-known, uh, replies and says, great signing. His engine never stops. He will play in the NHL. Well, little did he know he was right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Pat, Pat and I know each other pretty well, obviously. Uh, he called quite a few of the St. Cloud games. So, uh, you know, he was able to watch me play and, uh, yeah, he had some, some very kind words to say and a little bit of foreshadowing, maybe, uh, thankfully, on his part. Um, yeah, I mean, coming into the out of St. Cloud, uh, hardly anyone kind of expected me to, to play. Um, in my own head, I, I knew I had what it takes um, to play at the highest level, whether that was right off of coming out of college or playing the American League for a year or two. Um, I kind of, in the back of my mind, knew I, I had what it took to, to get there. Um, unfortunately it was, you know, I got a couple bounces right away and, um, got a crack and took advantage and yeah, that was kind of, kind of the rest. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a little sort of personal story and I'll, and I'll admit that I, that I was wrong here. Uh, when the Kings signed you, I really didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't pay much attention to it. I'm known for ranking the prospects and paying attention to what's going on and the signings and that sort of thing. And the funny part is I actually was at the game, uh, in BC in November, was that November of 2018, St. Cloud at BC, um, was there a beautiful campus, by the way, I can't say that enough. Um, but anyway, uh, there's a whole contingent from the King's scouting staff that was there, Mike Fuda and the whole team. And of course I thought they were scouting some of the other, you know, uh, upperclassmen that were going to be coming out that year. Lo and behold, they were there uh, scouting you getting an early advanced look, end up signing you a couple months later. But again, just to bring the story back full circle, Okay, they signed him. That's great. Like you said, okay, he's going to go to the American League, and you know we'll we'll see what happens from there. We'll see if he can carve out his way. The first time I really started to pay attention to you was at the rookie tournament in Anaheim, uh, and the reason for it was that Mike Stuthers, the coach of Ontario at the time, Stutz went out of his way to compliment you after one of the games. And knowing Stutz the way I do, he doesn't give out compliments very easy. Um, so I, that, it really just uh, you know sent up the. I don't know, caught my attention, uh, went and talked to you. You don't remember this, but I went and talked to you in the locker room. We had a brief conversation, about five minutes. And I remember walking away from that thinking, this kid is so composed. It, it was like you had been there before. They talk about, you know, pretend that you've been there before. You were so confident, so composed. You weren't cocky. You weren't arrogant. You were very aware of your game and very aware of everything that was going on around you. And um, it just seems that your whole career is kind of taken off uh, from, from that moment or from the time the King signed you. So uh, congratulations to you for, you know, really – I don't know. I don't know if I want to say beating the odds, but you really are a success story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I appreciate that, John. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I've kind of beaten the odds a few different times. Um, you know, my stature, obviously being, being one that's been huge my, my whole career, um, you know, five, eight, five, nine, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, playing in the league at that height is it's becoming more popular, but it's still, uh, you're kind of beating the odds in that regard. And then also, you know, going to the draft and not getting drafted. And in hindsight, 2020, that's probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. And to tell you the truth, that's probably why I was able to play by, by 22, playing a full year of, of NHL hockey was because I wasn't drafted. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, kind of shout out to, you know, guys who didn't get, get picked this uh, last week. Um, obviously, you want to be picked, and it's cool and awesome and exciting and awesome to have, you know, I know we have 11 picks this year, 11 new possible teammates, which is awesome. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, that's when the work just begins. If you're not given anything um, just because your draft doesn't mean hardly anything. Uh, you got to go in and just outplay the guy next to you, essentially. So um, that's kind of the way I've always looked at it my whole career is 
it doesn't matter what label you have. You're only as good as the last time you play and, and what you can do on the ice and what you can produce. So uh, I kind of took that mindset coming into that rookie camp, actually. Um, my brother and I were talking, and it's we kind of downplay it, like, oh, it's just a rookie tournament, you know, kind of go out there, have some fun, and keep it light. Don't don't get too hard on yourself, and you haven't played a game in a while, so go out and have fun, and that's kind of what I did. So I was pretty relaxed, to be honest. My first NHL training camp, I didn't have a whole lot of stress, which I thought I thought I would, um, being nervous and, you know, being in a locker room with guys like Kopitar and Doughty, players I've looked up to, you know, for 10 years. Um, but for me, it was just go out and play your game and have fun with it, and uh, I kind of have more of an eternal perspective on life. Um, there's more things in life that are more important than hockey sometimes, although I, I dearly love the game and give everything I have to it. Uh, I kind of kept that mindset of uh, it's, it's a game, and I'm so fortunate to be in the spot I'm in and just go out and work hard and have fun. And I think that plays to my advantage uh, when it comes to nerves and being able to perform under pressure. All right, so let's get into your backstory a little bit. So pre-college, pre-USHL, we're going to go deep here. Uh, the Minot Minotauros, which, by the way, love the name. That, that's fantastic. Uh, back in the NAHL, your coach there was Marty Murray, and that's important because Marty Murray was a fourth-round pick in Calgary. That's not the important part. He played 19 games for the Kings back in 06, 07. The dude had no goals. He had two assists. That's fine. Uh, but he had 40 points in 34 games with Manchester that year, which is the same season that Kevin Westgarth and Trevor Lewis debuted. L- little facts there for you, little tidbits. Uh, Kevin Westgarth is an important name on this podcast. We'll get into that later. But back then, you had you put up 52 points in 56 games. And I'm just curious, a guy who had a cup of coffee in the NHL, he's your, your coach at the time. Just what kind of memories or, or what kind of advice – uh, was he able to share with you that maybe, you know, you were able to carry with you to the next level or even to the level that you're at now? Yeah, absolutely. That was that was huge for me to have have a guy like that who played, you know, 15 years pro, whether that was overseas or NHL or American League, whatever it was. Uh, that was huge for me. It kind of changed my perspective on my own game, personally. Um, coming from a small town in Minnesota, uh, I never had this big notoriety of being a big prospect. It was always... Oh, this little guy from Chicago, he's kind of good, but, um, you know, he's from Chicago. He plays against not as good competition, whatever the excuse was. Um, so that was kind of instilled in my mind where I wasn't at the level of some of these other players who maybe grew up playing, you know, AAA or these bigger high schools in Minnesota. And we were, telling you, we were watching, I'll tell you a story about uh, Marty and I, actually. Um, I first went out there and I actually lived with Marty Murray. Um, kind of a weird story, but, yeah, I, I lived with him and, we were sitting on the couch watching the USA All Prospects game uh, with all like the high prospects for the draft, and uh, that goes on every year. And I was sitting there looking at these players, like, man, like these guys are so good. And Marty looks at me and he goes, "You are right there. Um, you're putting points up in the North American League, which is a pretty solid league of its own." Um, as a 16 year old, and he goes, "You're you're not far. You could go out there and you would you would probably be a good player out on that ice right now. And don't don't think anything less of that." Um, and that kind of changed my perspective of, okay, maybe I'm not as far away as um, I think and some of the prospects are. So that kind of gave me confidence when into that my first year junior of, okay, I can, I'm allowed to go out and dominate. I'm allowed to go out and want the puck and compete and, and beat players out. And I think from a young age, like 16, um, that was kind of instilled in me. And that, that, to tell you the truth, kind of brought me all the way to King's training camp. Um, it's okay to be a young guy and go out and, demand the puck and control the play and be a leader even though I'm you know 21 years old um there's obviously you know Kopitar and, and Quickie and, and Doughty um great leaders um all-time guys but um you don't need to wear a letter to be a leader and I kind of took that to heart when I was 16 and kind of carried that through till now and from what I understand you borrowed 20 dollars from your mom to go to that tryout is that true that's true yeah <laughs> uh so yeah there was a, a junior challenge the truth I didn't even know what junior hockey was I was you know I just loved the game and played high school and loved it and all I wanted to do was play hockey and um yeah I got invited to this tryout camp and my mom actually drove me gave me 20 bucks for food dropped me off the rink and I was there all day and by the end of the weekend uh, we were having meetings with the coaches saying we want to come out and, and spend uh, the year and why not so uh kind of crazy story how that all happened yeah and then uh, you had a hat trick in your first game at St. Cloud. I mean, just talking about a confidence booster, that would really uh, put you over the top, I would imagine. 
Definitely, yeah. That was, um, you know, give you confidence to, that you're good enough to play at that level. And, um, yeah, going into St. Cloud, obviously, college is a big jump from junior. And having that transition was really and Playing at a good program like St. Cloud, um, it really helped that I was practicing against some of the best players in the nation um, in college hockey every day, day in, day out, competing. And the, the standard of excellence was raised. That standard bar of, of what you have to bring every day was really high. So um, I was super blessed to have that for two years. Um, it really helped me define my game and, and work on the details. Look, there's there's some other stuff about the scouting process uh, or the recruiting process, excuse me, that I want to get into. But just to follow up on the hat trick, you debut uh, in Vegas. Uh, you played 16 more games. Then you finally get a goal against Montreal. But, you know, it didn't come as easy, let's say, as it did when you were in college. Uh, that first goal, do you remember who it was assisted by? Uh, Wagner and Grunter. Are you talking about St. Cloud or, or L.A.? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm on to L.A. I jumped fast. I was moving. On. No, all good. All good. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah, he was got it right. Grunstrom. Yes. Wagner and Grunstrom. Yeah. Yes. Uh, where's the puck? Everybody loves to know that. Where's the puck? Oh, it's hanging up. Uh, my mom hung it up in, in the house down to the, the hockey room we have downstairs. Uh, I think, you know, I'm not a huge. It, it's pretty cool to have, you know, that up on the wall not many people get to do that and, and say they've done that so um yeah that's pretty cool i think my my family is more proud of it than i am probably but um yeah it's something cool to you know you look at every couple of days or ever and just kind of um, reflect on, on what a cool thing that is so did a lot of research talking to a lot of scouts and a lot of people that were involved in, in sort of recruiting you and trying to get you to come to los angeles came away with some interesting notes uh, you had mentioned your size earlier, and that was obviously a concern, right? They're like, this is a 5'8 sophomore. Um, you know, uh, does that really fit the style of the LA Kings and what we're trying to build here? Uh, but, man, this kid had the puck the whole time. I kept hearing that over and over. Uh, they were concerned that there might be some bias uh, towards the school just because they love signing kids out of St. Cloud. I've joked that that's like their their feeder system and unofficial affiliation, uh, if that's even yeah. possible. Um but what I found interesting was that one of the King scouts allegedly puts uh, put a video together that he showed you during the recruiting process and said, hey, look, these are five, nine and under players that played in the National Hockey League. This is what they do. This is how the game, the type of game that they play, compared it, uh, compared it, contrasted it to sort of your game, shared that video with you. Can you just talk at all about um, what that was like when when they showed up with the laptop and said, hey, watch this video? And, and they were com- comparing or having a conversation with you about NHL players. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was something that was kind of big for me. Um, kind of portraying my game at the highest level and gave me an outlet and someone to watch. That if I wanted to play in the league, I had to play like, you know, this handful of players. Um, and the scout that did this was Brooks Birch. Um, awesome dude. Uh, really good at his job. Uh, he, he came in and had video on Yanni Gord, actually, of Tampa Bay, who kind of worked his way through the system as well, you know. Um, played in the East Coast for a little while in the American League NHL and kind of grinded his way to the top. And that's kind of what I've had to do through um, youth hockey, high school, junior, college. And, and the first time I actually haven't had to grind through maybe a, a, a second league, if you will, is, is right now. Um, but, yeah, he, he contrasted, took some video and, and contrasted my play and, and goals I scored and style of play and keeping pucks alive and, um, yeah, Yanni Gord is someone who obviously just won a Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay, but um, he's someone to, that I've always strived to be like. Plays hard, um, physical, fast, has just tenacity, and, and always keeps pucks alive. And that, that for me, was um, really endearing to, to L.A., was they were kind of stuck in that, uh, you know, obviously winning Cups in 12 and 14. Um, the style they played was big, heavy, defensive. And that's and I'm, I'm a defensive player, but obviously you said it a few times now. I'm not big and I'm not heavy, so um, that was good for me to see that they were trying to change the way um, their style is being played as as the league changes. You know, every two three years to different styles and what's working, what's winning. So um, yeah, that recruiting process was was big for me to see those videos to to kind of see that yeah the league's changing and the Kings are wanting to get ahead of of the page and ahead of the league and, and start changing now. So. Uh, I felt it was a really good fit for me in my game. 
Well, you sort of set up my next question perfectly. You, you answered part of it, but I'd like to dig into it a little bit deeper. When you, I, I'm just curious why you chose LA. When you look at the fact that, first of all, you were younger, we talked about that. Look at your size compared to where the Kings had been. Um, that's great that they showed you a video and things like that. Uh, Todd McClellan, uh, as the coach, maybe he had some confidence in you coming into camp this year because he was familiar with you, had some exposure to you when he was watching his son you know, play, uh, play at Denver. Um, but just ultimately, I mean, why did you choose L.A.? Did you look at the depth chart? Did you, did you understand their development staff? Uh, did you think there was a spot in their organization that you would be able to exploit? You know, what was it when you had to put your – if you had to put your finger on it, why did you choose to sign with the L.A. Kings? Being a free agent, you could have signed with any, any you know, of 30-plus of teams. Yeah, that's, you know, a great question. Uh, for me, it not, wasn't maybe necessarily one thing. It was an accumulation of, um, you know, coaching staff coming in. Uh, honestly, the having Coach McClellan come in to a new group was huge for me. It gives everybody has to learn new things. There's no biases. There's no anything. The, the coach doesn't have a bias on any players yet. So it, it was give me an opportunity to earn trust. Um, maybe ahead of some other players that were in, like, maybe uh, Anderson Dolan, for instance. Um, heck of a player in his own right. Uh, but I think having a, a fresh coach gave me the opportunity to kind of earn trust maybe above some other high-end prospects that were high draft picks. Uh, and that, that was something that was, was big for me because you have to get someone to like you and you have to get lucky to get your chance. And, and once you get your chance, you take advantage of it. So um, looking um, kind of at the Kings organization, there was definitely opportunity um, with the Kings obviously not finishing in the standings uh, where obviously everyone in L.A. wanted um, that means there's there's going to be change, right? It's the nature of, of pro sports, and that was something I took into heavy consideration. That they they are looking for change, and they are looking to become that Stanley Cup team like they were in 12 and 14, um, kind of a powerhouse. And that was something that I took into heavy consideration. Like I said, um, getting that opportunity to earn trust and, and just getting the opportunity is is all you can ask for as a player. And on my end, it's, you just have to be ready whenever you do get that opportunity to take advantage. And uh, fortunately, for year one, um, I took advantage of it and was able to stay in the league. Um, and obviously, that continues into year two. Yeah, uh, I will tell you that in talking to Kings management and, and uh, scouts and other people inside the organization, there was a lot of praise um, for what you bring really from a culture perspective. And this team was built with strong culture and character guys. And then they sort of lost their way uh, over a number of years after the cup. And they've been looking to replace, you know, that culture, that character. And uh, you outwork everybody. That's what everybody talks about. You outwork everybody. You bring everybody into the game. You make everybody better. That's great. Those are all positive things. I also like to have some fun. So I did some digging on you and try to come up with some good stories. I talked to a couple of your former teammates at St. Cloud. I, I just I, I wasn't able to get a lot because everybody loves you so much, but I did I did get a couple of nuggets. Uh, one of your former teammates, he wanted to pay me $50 to call you a hobbit. I don't think that's a very nice thing to do, so I, <laughs> I, I told him he can keep his money. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Uh, but uh, he did tell me a great story. Uh, the same guy, by the way, told me a great story about the fact that you would always volunteer to do shifts at the library, at the school library, and apparently you were there for like 10 minutes every time, and then you would leave. So what, what's up with that? <laughs> You know, I, I had a good, pretty good GPA in college, so I didn't need to spend too much time in the library. Uh, kind of worried by all that. We had a, it's called a, a greenhouse back at St. Cloud, and all the athletes, you know, I'm sure every school has it. Uh, for freshmen, you got to go study there, you know, two, three hours a week, vlogging your time. And uh, after a while, <laughs> my first semester, I ended up with a, with a 4.0, and after the first semester, I was kind of like, all right, do I, do I need to go spend two or three hours at the, uh, the library every week? Um, I, I, think, I thought I'd take that two, three hours and put it into hockey instead. And uh, I'd go to the rink. I'd, I'd go to the library first, check in. You got to sign a little sheet, uh, show my face. And the next thing I know, I was on the ice 20 minutes later. So uh, I think that was, was a good decision by me to, to kind of opt out of that. Yeah, I'm sure it was. And I, I hear that you have the keys to the rink in your hometown and that you would go there all the time and that you would even go to the rink at St. Cloud on Sundays. So you're always at the rink. If people need to find you, don't go to the library. You're just you're basically in the gym or you're on the ice. Is that true? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well said. I mean, yeah, uh, I've been super, super fortunate, you know, growing up in a small town, uh, you know, you know, the manager of the rink, the owner of the rink. So it's a huge, a huge part of my success, my career is, is having that owe it to go, you know, skate at 10, 11, 12 at night to, to work on your game. And 
Uh, I started doing that probably uh, 16 years old, uh, 15 years old. Back in high school, I would, would go up before practice for an hour and work on skills. And to tell you the truth to this day, I, I still love one of my favorite things is is about 11, 11.30 at night. I love going up to the rink and just all by myself, throwing my, my skates on and, and working on stuff. It's kind of my little getaway. And I don't have to think about anything else other than hockey at that point. So it's my little uh, getaway for sure. Well, I, I gotta, I gotta ask John. Was uh, <laughs> yeah, I do this? <laughs> was this uh, player as a cloud happened to be a Kings prospect? He does. He does happen to be a Kings prospect. Yes. Yeah. So you can, you can text him your retort when we're done. Here. <laughs> uh, I talked to another uh, Kings prospect who happened to be one of your teammates there. There's a plenty of them because the Kings sign everybody from St. Cloud or draft them one or the other. Um, this, this this player talked on and on about you. Just great guy, great family, uh, great player. Uh, in college, he told me that you were the dad to your class uh, because you were just such a great student and had such a great work ethic. Um, however, speaking of 1130 at night, he told me that all of that went out the window one night after a hairy buffalo at uh, MC's bar there in St. Cloud. So... <laughs> Now, I, I will tell you, I when he told me that, I thought that a hairy buffalo was like a slump buster, which is an old Mark Grace saying from the Jim Rome show many, many uh, years ago. But in, in fact, no, that's not what it is. Allegedly, what this is, is uh, I guess they take four bottles uh, over the glass at once and somehow it makes it pink. And the comment to me was <laughs> it either starts your night or ends your night. So I'm very curious uh, what happened. Do you even remember what happened after that hairy buffalo? <laughs> uh, you know, I think I think both ends of the spectrum, it's whether it's at the beginning of the night or the end of the night, it's the end of your night. Uh, put it that way. Uh, yeah, we have St. Cloud. I think, um, you know, Bugsy Malone uh, is infamous. I think he said on a few podcasts before. I don't know what podcast it was, but uh, I think he hammered six or seven of those and and probably drove home after that. He was, <laughs> he's one of those guys. Um, yeah, MC's like also a good little spot for, for the guys when want to go out. And yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. And Blake, you played 65 games last year. Um, at what, which game did you say to yourself, okay, I'm here, I belong, I can play in the NHL? That's, that's, you know, that's a really great, great question. Um, I'm a person that I don't, I don't compare my game to anyone else. So for me, it was, um, to be honest with you, I, I knew I could play in the NHL and I belonged mm-hmm. actually in college. Uh, I did. I, towards the end of my sophomore year, I, I played a few games and kind of took over and kind of looked at the list of the other team of players and prospects, and, and they were all, you know, a couple first-rounders, uh, some late-round picks, and, and some really good players that were un, undrafted free agents uh, that now play in the league. Uh, but, I, yeah, I, t- I took over a few of those games in college, and, and right then and there is an internal confidence of, okay, if I'm doing this at this level – Obviously, the NHL is a huge jump, but I, I know I can play at that level. And, and like I said a bit ago, I don't compare myself to, to other players. Um, I compare myself to who I was yesterday. Uh, did I get better? Did I get better today? And and do I belong in this league? It's more of an internal thing as opposed to me comparing myself to you know Kopitar, who's sure. six foot four, two hundred twenty five pounds of of pure talent. Um, I kind of just look at my own game and, and not, and I guess I do compare a little bit guys like Yanni Gordon. It's good to have guys to look up to, but um, I don't know if there was necessarily one moment where I was like, yep, I can play. Um, I guess, I guess if I had to pick one, it would be my second game in Calgary. It'd be my third game. Sorry. Second game last year mm-hmm. um, in Calgary. Um, kind of got more confidence with the puck and was able to make some good plays and, and after that game, I, I knew I, I could play in this league as, as long as I kept working and, and stuck to my game and didn't try and, you know, do more than what's inside of my game. I think that's a, a big thing for young guys coming into the league. They sometimes try and do more um, or, or way less than what they're capable of just to try and fit in or, or find a role, I guess. But, um, you know, like you said, everyone, everyone watches you, um, scouts, management, coaching, they know your game inside out. And if, if you're getting the call for an opportunity to play at the highest level, they expect you to bring what you bring to the table, whether that's goal scoring or, um, penalty killing or face offs, whatever it is. Um, you have to have confidence that that's why you're there. And if you do your job, you'll be able to stick. So, uh, for me, it's more an internal feeling as opposed to like, 
comparing to other players, I suppose. Yeah, but you had an interesting season offensively. There was symmetry. So two even strength goals, two shorthanded goals, two power play goals, solid in the faceoff circle, fifty point two percent. The the one stat stat I want to focus in on your your puck possession. You had like a fifty five point two Corsi four. So um, do you pay attention, or does the does the coaching staff make you aware of the puck possession statistics? Yeah, I think in today's NHL, uh, puck possession is everything. Um, so that that to me shows me that I'm doing my job is when I do have games where, you know, my puck touch time um, is up are typically your best games. Um, I think for, for my game, specifically being a centerman, centermen typically have higher coursey numbers uh, because you're, you're controlling most of the play and carrying the puck through the D zone and into the offensive zone. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a huge part of my game is puck possession. Um, I'm not much I'm, – I'm working on becoming more of a shooter um, but my game is consists around energy and, and creating chances for my line mates. So uh, I think the more time I have the puck gives my, my line mates and, and defense out there with me more time to get open. And I think that's, that's definitely a big part of my game. You know, you said second or third game in, you felt you belong, but was there a, a holy crap moment where you're in the faceoff circle against a, a Tavares or a Crosby or a Malkin? Was there a moment like I'm taking a faceoff in the NHL against player X? Yeah, absolutely. I think every every single player in the NHL had that moment at one time or another. Um, I was playing. It was actually kind of came later in the year, uh, towards the end. Um, my, my roommate, Mikey Anderson, uh, coach put us out there. There was three minutes and 32 seconds to go in the game, and uh, John Tavares' line was out there, and, and Coach McClellan trusted my, my line out there with against their, their top guys, and uh, we were kind of, you know, sauntering out to the face-off circle, and I just looked at Mikey and go, this is crazy, man. Like, look at this. We're in downtown LA, Staples Center. Like, you know, who, who all has played in this, this stadium? You know, whether it's Lakers, uh, musicians, whatever it is, Clippers, um, pretty, and former LA Kings players, um, Gretzky, you know, it's, it's cool that, um, coach kind of trusts us in that moment in the third period of the tie game, three minutes to go in the game. And we went out to the draw and uh, I looked over and it's John, John Tavares and, it was that moment of like, holy cow, like this is the real deal. You know, I've been watching John Tavares for, for eight, nine, ten years, and um, this is the real deal. It's not a dream, and this kind of a pinky moment. Like this is really happening, even though that, that came, I don't know if it was game 50 or 45, somewhere around that mark. Um, it was like, yeah, this is, this is the real deal, and this is something that's really cool. And you try and just soak those moments in. I think every player that has played for a while or just a cup of coffee um, – look back at that moment and remember that moment for forever because, again, it's the best league in the world and so few players get to throw a jersey on and let alone a jersey for, for a franchise that, that's history and is, is a really, really cool organization to be a part of. So, uh, yeah, that moment for me against John Severas was, was that moment. Now, Blake, you just gave us uh, the golly gee, super polite Midwest, you know, answer there. But on the flip side of that coin, from what I understand, you are a super obnoxious Minnesota Vikings fan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge Vikings fan. I actually went to uh, a Rams game for, for Dowdy's birthday, and a little part of me inside was just like, eh, I just want to go to a Vikings game. You know, I, I love the Rams and love you know, the Chargers and, and being in L.A. and part of L.A. sports is awesome, but I think my loyalty will always be to the Vikings. So, okay. Blake, now, wait, wait, wait. This- Blake, why do you punish yourself being a Vikings fan? <laughs> well, sorry, what was that? It kind of cut out for a second. That's a, why do you punish yourself being a Vikings fan? It's difficult to be a Vikings fan, isn't it? You know, it's tough being a Minnesota sports fan. Uh, True. Whether it's wins. Uh, growing up, the Wilds, um, it seems like we always lose in the big moments, unfortunately, but I'm hoping for one day that we pull one off. Now, uh, another comment, and I don't know what this means. I need you to explain it to me. Uh, I'm born and raised in Southern California. Dennis originally was a New Yorker. Now he's a transplant. He's been here for a long time. Um, so, you know, two guys from the coasts, if you will, and uh, they said – hey, you can take the kid out of Minnesota, but you can't take the Minnesota out of him. And the comment was, I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but if you know Minnesotans, then it would make total sense. I, I guess I guess it doesn't make sense to me. So explain, what does that mean about you? Yeah, I mean, I think growing up in Minnesota, like you just said a second ago, you kind of have that polite Midwest um, persona or 
values. I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, yeah, no matter where you are, uh, I can always tell who's from the Midwest, specifically Minnesota, uh, just based on the conversation. And, and I, I truth tell you the truth, people say we have pretty big Minnesota accents, um, and I never hear it until I leave Minnesota. So when I go to California, people are like, oh, you're from Minnesota. I can tell by your accent. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. We're talking the exact same way, but um, yeah, definitely. No matter no matter where you are in the world, um, you can always kind of, kind of tell where where people are from and obviously growing up in Minnesota is, is part of home. So uh, it's pretty easy to pick out who, who's Minnesotan and who's not. All right. Well, certainly we appreciate your time today. Just a couple more and we'll, we'll let you off the hook here. Um, bright future ahead of you. I have you penciled in this year as the three uh, C probably with Jeff Carter playing on your wing. Um, so a, a lot, a lot to do here, a lot to uh, make still of your NHL career, your future's ahead of you. But one thing that I noted was that, when you first arrived on the scene at St. Cloud, you had commented at the time that uh, your goal, your dream at that point was to be an athletic director. And I'm just curious, is that still something that, you know, someday when you retire from the game of hockey, is that something you'd like to circle back to? Or was that just kind of a moment in time thing and, and you've uh, you've transitioned into other hopes and dreams? No, certainly. Yeah, certainly. I, I would, that's a dream job of mine. Um, I love to help kids and, and obviously my past in sports and um, I'd love to help kids through anything they're going through through high school or whatever it might be um being an ad would be be a dream of mine and unfortunately i'm at the point where i've kind of taken all the online classes that i can and i have to be like a student teacher so uh my my academic career is kind of on hold until you know hopefully 15 years from now i'm done playing hockey and kind of resume that but um yeah there's definitely a career in life after hockey Uh, i have aspirations for that definitely well, Blake, I have to tell you, you did an outstanding job today. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on your inaugural visit to Kings of the Podcast. We told you earlier that music is a big part of the show. We're going to play you out today to a song by Old Dominion, who I hear is also one of your favorite bands. Uh, we're playing a song called Paint the Grass. I've never heard the band or the song. Is it a good one? Uh, yeah, anything Old Dominion is going to be good. Regardless okay. of what, you pick any song. Play Russian roulette with it. You'll get a good song. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Paint the Grass is coming up. That was Blake Lazat. Blake, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your off season, and uh, we'll talk to you when camp opens up. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Have a good day. technicolor dream If our love is faded babe I'll brighten up the scene I'll paint Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Well third period DB how was uh, a good 30 minutes there with Blake Lazat any any thoughts? How do you not root for that kid? I mean seriously yeah. what a great kid. I, I, look it's a great story you went deep and <laughs> dug deep on him but I just just a really good kid. And you talk about culture. This is the type of people they need in the organization. And Blake was just fantastic, transparent, and just real. Yeah. Uh, look, DB, I want to add a little bit to something that I sure. said there earlier. From what I was able to gather, the Kings sort of stole him out from the, you know, underneath a bunch of other NHL teams. I made reference to the fact that when I was in BC and I even tweeted at the time, hey, these are some of the uh, free agents that are going to be you know, available at the end of the college season. These are some of the guys that the Kings might be looking at. His name was never mentioned because really NHL scouts or pro scouts, whatever you want to call them, that were looking for potential college free agents, Blake Lazat had not really uh, es- elevated up to the right. uh, to the list, if you will, because he was a sophomore. And so few guys come out as sophomores. It's funny saying that because Sheldon Rimple also did the same thing and the Kings were able to sign him. But mm-hmm. um, from what I was told, the Kings, uh, upon uh, announcing that they had signed him, there were a bunch of text messages from other teams like, how did you guys do that? How did you get him so early? Like teams just couldn't believe it. They they sort of had him penciled in as part of the class for the following season. Right. Um, so Another little tidbit that I was uh, able to dig up, DB, is that the Kings, they wanted him to stay another year. Um, so just they they thought that another year in college mm-hmm. was actually going to help him. And, you know, uh, but in hindsight, it actually was better that he wanted to come out and was, was ready to go after his sophomore year because uh, he was really starting to come onto the scene, had a big tournament there in the Twin Cities um, that a lot of people paid attention to. He always had the puck. He, uh, somebody told me he was the straw that stirred the drink on his line. And they were the number one team in the nation at the time. So so Blake was getting a lot of attention. And I, I'm not sure that if he would have stayed another year, 
uh, if the Kings would have been able to sign him just because so many NHL teams would have been after him. Do you think he would have been drafted? No, well, no, he, he, that part would have been over, but just that he, he, he would have been on the radar of so many other right, NHL right. teams. So, you know, at the end of that college season, which would have been what, the 2018 season, I believe, uh, at the end of that season, he would have, no, it was the 2019. 2019, yeah. Yeah, I was in Boston in November of 2018. So, uh, 2019. Uh, at the end of the 2019 season, um, you know, the Kings kind of, I, I don't want to say they had him to themselves, but, you know, it, it wasn't the recruiting uh, uh, circus that it would have mm-hmm. been sure. a year later had he gone back for his junior year. And and like I said, so many guys come out after their junior year that just, I think that the Kings were able to sneak up on him. But obviously the Kings made a, made an impression on him. We talked about the video, uh, but they made an impression on him that when he was saying, hey, I'm ready to come out, boom, there were the Kings and they were able to put a deal together and uh, and bring him into the fold. And DB, really, um, from day one, from from day one, from camp, the kid has just solidified his spot in the lineup and uh, looks to be the 3C in Los Angeles this coming season. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any doubt at this point in time. He's established, and he plays all facets of the game. And look, it, it, it's he's an underdog, but like I said, what a great kid, a great attitude. And he was, he was I love that, sport, that part when he said he was on the ice. with. He remembers the exact second, John, he was on the ice. He said three minutes and 32 seconds left in the game and I'm like really wow this must have burned deep in your memory bank so uh but yeah when you have that and you have transparency it's that energy it's it's just he's a really good kid he, he's not Copatron he know, look he knows his spot he knows where he fits in in the death chart and I just think it's he, he can only look 23 points in 65 games he can in, improve on that next season and it's just uh, a really good ki- kid to have around the room I also love the fact that it was a former L.A. King, Marty Murray, who really put the seed in his head. He said that was a pivotal moment for him sitting there on the couch saying, hey, dude, you are that good. You can be you can hang with these guys. And he said from that moment forward, he he kind of changed his outlook. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's a really confident kid who can be a role model to a lot of kids his size. Not only that, DB, but he is a guy who is going to outwork you and out-hustle you, and that is so important to this culture. That's where Kyle Clifford made hay with the Kings early on, and that's where Curtis McDermott has really made an impression over the last couple of years. They need those guys. They need those high-culture guys that they used to have in spades yeah. in this organization, and they just don't have enough of, especially at that age level. I talk about this all the time, DB, that it, you, you kind of have to remove yourself from the Kopitar, Brown, Dowdy. Those guys are in a different stratosphere. That's a superstar level. And when you get these kids that are 18 to 21 years old coming in to a training camp, they are wide-eyed. They are in awe of these players. You even heard Blake talking about it a little bit there, right? So it's important for those younger prospects to have players that they can relate to, guys that they feel comfortable, guys that they can look at and go, hey, that's me or that's, you know, he was me two years ago, you know. Um, that they can relate to. And Blake is that guy who's going to out-hustle you. He's going to outwork you. He's in the gym. He's on the ice at 1130 at night when he's not doing the, the hairy buffaloes or whatever those are in <laughs> Minnesota. So he's uh, he, he's that guy that is going to make all the other prospects better. And those are the type of guys they need in this organization, especially considering the number of prospects they're going to be pushing through over the next couple of years as they develop the next yeah. wave of LA Kings. And they, they uh, you know, well, they recreate LA, DB. And remember, John, he brought up a guy, Yanni Gord, who's on Tampa. And, and what's the difference with Tampa? Why did they win a cup? And not drawing parallels here, but the Yanni Gords, the Blake Coleman's, the Barkley Goudreaux's, like as talented as their top six is and Kucherov and Point are all world players, they needed that type of player. They needed that culture player that's going to go grind and outwork uh, teams. So you absolutely to draw a parallel to this fact saying that this organization needs those type of players to elevate them and to get back to uh, contender status. Yeah, look, they don't need Blake Lazat to score 30 goals to no. be successful. As a third-line center, he's going to be successful uh, being that high-energy guy, being that guy who's going to make the other players better, being a guy who's going to draw Jeff Carter into the game. We talked about Carter as the third-line right wing a show or two ago, DB. Yeah. And if you can get Carter excited and engaged, that's going to be phenomenal for the LA Kings. And so I think a lot of credit. We'll have to look. We'll have to sort of fast forward to the end of the season. But when we get to the end of the year, and if we look back and we think about Jeff Carter having a successful year, I think it will be important to look at uh, his relationship and uh, if in, if indeed he is a line mate for most of the year with a guy like Blake Lazat and what that energy level, what it ultimately yeah. ended up doing for Jeff Carter. We won't know until the end of the year, sure. but I think it's a storyline that we'll want to revisit when uh, this season is over. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look, if you can elevate Lazat to, let's say, 
a 10 and 25 guy on the third line. Like you sign for that right now. Get him 35 points. You mentioned if, if a majority of those assists are to Jeff Carter or to, let's say he's playing with Kempe because they had some chemistry at the end of the season, then that's a win. I mean, that, that I think that's where they need to go because, look, the middle six is going to be a question mark for this team coming in. But if, like, like I just said, if, if Lazak can elevate to those numbers, then it's a win for the team. All right. Great. Another great episode, DB. Uh, yes, thanks sir. again to Blake Lazat for jumping on the LA Kings PR team, uh, Rob Koch and Gomer for putting all that together and getting them on. Uh, it's been fantastic. And DB, we have some other guests lined up that wow. will be coming up here. So we're getting ready to drop a slew of Kings of the podcast uh, episodes. So clear your schedules, everybody. Uh, I know you're not doing anything because it's quarantine. So get ready. Kings of the podcast is coming at you. Uh, DB, any final thoughts to everybody? No, just looking forward to more episodes as we uh, wait for the next season. Whenever that all right gear up with that red bull dv we have more to report we'll talk to you guys soon with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply.